In America, our food choices are not always the healthiest, and we often eat for all the wrong reasons when we feel tired, stressed, anxious, or sad. As a result, we feel sluggish and lethargic and caffeinate ourselves to get through the day. Does that describe you? Believe it or not, there is a direct link between your stomach and your soul. We'll be going through a church-wide Daniel Fest in which we cut out the carbs, comfort food, and eat clean, primarily fruit, vegetables, and water. The 40-day fast is meant to tame our flesh and train our spirit to constantly choose Jesus over donuts, pizza, alcohol, and coffee. Join us for a life-changing experience. In just 40 days, you can feel better physically, mentally, and spiritually. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Liquid Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Tim. I want to welcome all of our campuses today. Would you give them a big, loud welcome? Welcome to Liquid. We're glad you guys are here. Hey, special welcome if you are at Liquid Parsippany. You're freaking out right now. You may be like, hey, wait, where's Tim? I I'm watching a big screen today. This is kind of weird. Uh, that's right. We wanted to give you a taste today of what it's like to be at one of our campuses. So I'm actually coming to you via broadcast video this morning, just so you can see how this works. Every week in our campuses, there are three screens that allow all six of our campuses to experience the same message live via video. Now, Persephone, don't worry. I'm going to be back in person preaching next Sunday. Um, but you may be like, so where are you today? And the answer is, I'm preaching this message down the turnpike in South Jersey at a church called Gloucester Community Christian Church. Now, this is the interesting thing. This is Washington Township. This is 20 miles outside of Philadelphia. Gloucester County's on the Jersey side, and uh, they call it GCCC. It's a wonderful church founded in 1982 by uh, Dr. Bruce and Cheryl Sophie. You can see them there visiting myself and Pastor Dave. Uh, our leadership teams first met in 2012 back in Hurricane Sandy, and we have partnered together at that time uh, to muck out homes along the Jersey Shore. You remember Hurricane Sandy? Pastor Bruce and I uh, developed a friendship, and uh, Gloucester County really shares our heart to reach the next generation for Christ in South Jersey while we're up in North and Central Jersey. So we kind of started brainstorming ways that we could partner together, and they said, hey, can we do the fast with you? Isn't that cool? So catch this. We don't just have 4,000 people in North Jersey fasting. We've got another 1,000 people fasting in South Jersey. Giants and Eagles fans together. That's a miracle. Can we hear it for them? We're so glad Gloucester County. Super cool to have believers on both ends of our state really meet in the middle and seek God's face in the weeks leading up to Easter. So whatever location you're at today, man, I am just thrilled you're here for week three of our series, Fast, 40 Days to Breakthrough. Now, I'm actually kind of surprised so many of you came back, all right? Uh, I mean, a series on fasting or kind of giving up all of our carbs and our comfort food, you know, for 40 days, that is tough. But I was just so thrilled. Our staff was so excited this week to see all these commitments that were made. Look at this last Sunday. These are all the people made commitments to pray and fast and seek God's face. Really incredible. Um, and what's amazing of it is that once you turn in your fast contract, from what I saw on Facebook, every single person went to pig out at a restaurant, okay? I'm just, I think we set a record for highest calorie intake on a single Sunday. Uh, I'm just saying, I happened to stop by Zinburger. I had to use the restroom. And, uh, and this is what I saw uh, behind this burger. Half the liquid worship team was there wolfing down truffle oil and bacon burgers. Now, listen, I'm not going to out anybody as the ringleader, but his initials are Clint Taylor. I'm just saying, okay? 
Uh, and he said, oh, Tim, come on, this is our last supper, right? Like, don't judge. Don't judge, because a lot of you did the same. I told you guys, you like flew past my advice. I said, hey, listen, don't pig out. You're supposed to be weaning yourself off of coffee and all your crutches and eating smaller portions. Well, this is what I saw on Facebook. Just take a look at this. Uh, Jen Coglin here, uh, she put, uh, I just got home from Smashburger ourselves. Al Kachi enjoying chicken Alfredo bake with noodles and a glass of wine as the last supper. Uh, Selena hit that up. I enjoyed my last penny vodka and garlic bread. P.S. Triple portion. Triple sin. Uh, cheese, Lord, is cheese factory and sangria for me. I'm telling you, you burned the place down. I appreciate Nikki's discretion. She said, uh, I won't even post what we had at Outback, okay? Thanks for not rubbing it in our face. You guys basically turned into the Sunday Night Massacre, okay? I'm just saying. I even got an email this week with the subject line, I repent. This is hilarious. Pastor Tim, you shared how we shouldn't indulge or go crazy before the fast. Well, it didn't work out as planned for me. Tuesday, Life Group Last Supper at Texas Roadhouse. Wednesday, Valentine's Day with my wife at guess where? White Castle. Can I just pause here? Bro, you took your wife to White Castle for Valentine's Day. You don't need to fast. You need marriage counseling. Thursday through, through Sunday, baby moon vacation with wife in Scottsdale, chimichangas, cheesecake, resort breakfast buffets. Great example of what not to do before the fast. Ha <laughs> ha. Some of y'all need to repent, all right? Listen, the important thing is you made it. You're here today. We started Sunday night. You survived a whole week. How many of you survived this week, okay? Who's still on board? You're still with me? You're still fasting? Okay, listen. I was praying this morning. I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me because this crowd's going to be hangry. You know, I'm talking about hungry and angry together. I hope you're settling into the fast. Um, I want to encourage you. Uh, it's my first, like, off of ca uh, coffee sermon. Drink a lot of water. Water is a faster's breast friend. You got to stay hydrated. Drink it, drink it, drink it. If you're doing food, it'll keep you hydrated. And I hope that you've enjoyed our seven at seven devotionals on Facebook. Have you enjoyed that? Seven minutes at 7 a.m., a video with our pastors who are kind of leading you through a brief devotional, a little Bible study there, just to help jumpstart your day. Um, Pastor Bruce from uh, Gloucester County, he's going to do a few as well, so you'll get to meet him. But remember, guys, we're all fasting for different things, right? No judgment. Some of us are doing the Daniel fast, right? We're replacing uh, meat and bread with fruit and vegetables. Some people are just saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to fast, you know, sweets, you know, uh, for the next 40 days. Uh, others are fasting from television or, uh, or watching Netflix or social media. We're all fasting different things, but we all have the same purpose. We're making a physical sacrifice to gain spiritual breakthrough. The breakthrough we're looking for is God's breakthrough in our lives in very tangible ways. We're looking first spiritually to just draw closer to Christ, but we're looking at, uh, some people are looking at God's provision, you know, for a job. Others say, restore my marriage. We've got requests for physical healing. We heard from couples trying to start families and get out of debt. I want to draw closer to Jesus. I was, I was, we were just so moved by this avalanche. I mean, I've never seen this of heartfelt responses that you're putting before God. I just wanted to share a few with them just to let you know you're not alone. You're, you're in it with thousands of people. Uh, I'm asking God, this person said, to heal my son's depression and his uh, alcoholism. Um, I'm asking God to help me forgive my sister-in-law. Something happened, and it's, there's like a, a block there, and there's a setback in the relationship. I want to break through. Uh, I'm asking God to help, allow us to conceive a healthy child. I'm asking God to help me with temptation. More specifically, I need God to help me with sexual sin. It's very tempting, and it doesn't help that my friends say it doesn't matter. 
okay? If you're a kid growing up today or you're a millennial or something, man, that's just like immorality. That's just norm, man. Immor why, why are you a prude? Uh, I'm asking God to fill me with his Holy Spirit so I can discern his direction for this next chapter of life. God, free me from alcohol. I need total freedom. God, help me dig out a debt and learn to save money. I'm asking God, to, this, this is close to my heart, I'm asking God to stop the bullying of my grandson at school. You know, a lot of, lot of, lot of parents, grandparents fasting for their kids. Uh, break my addiction to pornography. Help me control myself with food. After managing the way I eat, I'll see if it's possible to take discipline in my other areas. A lot of times it starts with whatever your trigger is. Fasten for all my boys that they'll have the gifts of the Spirit at an early age. Uh, asking God to restore my love for Him. I love that. The number one request of people was, I want to have a renewed fire and passion for God. Would you just it, it, it start a new flame in me, Lord? I want to move past bitterness and hurt so I can have joy and confidence. Better way to discipline my son without losing my mind. <laughs> Help, help, remove my urge to cope, Lord, with comfort foods. When I feel anxious, I eat. And to shift the focus to your word through prayer, Bible reading, and journaling. Guys, that is an awesome request. We are praying with you and for you. That's why we had you fill that out. So I want you to know you're not alone. Um, to me, you got to know, what can you fast for? Anything. Anything and everything. Whenever God's people humble themselves in Scripture, they seek his face. The Bible says something supernatural happens. As we learned last week in Daniel 10, fasting releases spiritual breakthrough. There, there's something about physical obedience that releases spiritual power. Now understand, you, you may not get exactly what you're praying for, especially in the first 40 days. It may come months later. It may come at the end of your fast like it did for Daniel. But I promise you, God will break through in your life. You'll never feel closer to Christ. Because here's what the Bible promises. Look at this promise. I was so touched by it this week. The Lord is a rewarder of those who what? Seek him. You are seeking God right now. You are seeking first his kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you as well. So keep going. Keep going. Press in, press on. If you didn't turn in a contract last week, not too late. Fill one out. Get one at the, uh, in the lobby today. Give it to your campus pastor so they can be praying and fasting for you too. Jump on board. If you fell off the wagon on day three, I know some of you were so excited day one, day three, you're like, ah, jump back in. I am here today with one goal. I want to encourage you in the Lord. I want you to think of me as your fasting coach, okay? If I can do it, you can do it. And I want to prepare you today for the battle ahead because it's going to be a battle. Everybody say the word battle. 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 I got this Facebook message from Katie Spencer. She said, Tim Lucas, Satan is at work. <laughs> Clearly, fasting and praying puts you on an even more intense battlefield. Katie's right. Fasting is spiritual warfare. Think of it this way. When you fast, you are intentionally picking a fight with the enemy of your soul. Remember, fasting's not a diet, right? There's going to be, there's the physical temptation. I'm going to lay off coffee and the Krispy Kremes. But fasting is primarily a spiritual discipline that has a profound impact on the unseen and invisible realm. And you and I have an enemy who is not okay with you drawing closer to Jesus. He's not okay with you being filled with his spirit. Satan is not okay with you asking God for the hand of his favor on your life and your marriage and your family. Satan's not okay with any of this. You know what Satan wants you to do? He's like, just go back to sleep. You settle for the status quo in your, your life and your marriage and your family with your kids. Just keep things lukewarm. No breakthrough. Satan doesn't want you working up an appetite for more of God. He's like, no, 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 no more of you, less of him. 
That's what the enemy's going to tell you on this fast. But I've got great news this morning. In Jesus Christ, that enemy, your enemy, is defeated. Amen? He lost on the cross. He lost that battle. So as a Christian, you have victory in Christ, but you've got to learn to walk in it. You've got to learn to walk in power and the authority that the Lord gives you as a fully forgiven, free son or daughter of the Most High God. And that's what I'm going to teach you today in a message I'm calling Hunger Strike Against Hell. You can flip to week three in your groups, God. You enjoy your small groups, by the way? Don't, don't attempt this fast alone, okay? You need a community of other Christians you can fight with. Remember this, Jesus had a small group of 12 disciples. And at the beginning of his ministry, he started a 40-day fast, actually on his own, to prepare him for his God-given assignment to lay down his life for the sins of the world. I want you to think about it. The first step in Jesus' salvation mission was a fast for 40 days. So right now, you are imitating your Savior. You are following in his footsteps. And I want to show you what to expect. So let's read this account of Jesus fasting in Luke chapter 4, first 14 verse. Then your guide, I'm also going to put it on the screen, it says this. Jesus, full of the who? Of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I'll, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me. I can give it to anybody I want to. If you worship me, bow down, Jesus, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it's written. He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Everyone say test, test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to town in the power of the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, we have publicly read your word. And so I ask you now, would you send the Holy Spirit to unleash its power, God? I pray that you'd reveal our enemy's schemes and let us know he's been defeated by the blood of Jesus. And through Christ, we have the victory. Jesus, would you teach us how to walk in your authority today? denying the devil any compromise, and relying on the Holy Spirit alone. It's in the name and power of Jesus we pray. Everyone said? Amen. I don't know how he did it. Before he began his public ministry, Jesus fasted 40 days and nights, and it wasn't like you and me. Jesus wasn't doing a replacement fast. He didn't have fruits and, and vegetables and, and nuts to rely on. This was an absolute fast. No food, no water. He required the strength of the Holy Spirit supernaturally to sustain him. But the Bible says Jesus was led by who? The Spirit into the wilderness. Notice it was the Holy Spirit that took him there. So understand something about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just lead you into blessing all the time. He doesn't just lead you to mountaintops and rainbows where he, you know, just, just heals your body or pours out blessing. There are seasons and times in the life of every Christ follower 
where you will feel led by the Holy Spirit into a season of self-denial, into a season of fasting and prayer, where you withdraw from the world, you push away from the world, and you spend time in the wilderness. Let me show you a picture of the wilderness where Jesus was. This is the Judean desert. You can see it's a rocky, barren place. Very little grows there. It's pure desert. It's a place of extremes if you ever spend time in the desert. Scorching hot in the day, right? 120. Freezing cold at night in the teens. It is never nice and mild in the wilderness. That's how a lot of Christians like our relationship with God, right? Nice and mild. Little Goldilocks faith. Not too hot, not too cold. Just nice and mild. What the Bible calls lukewarm where you could just kind of fall into the rut of religion and just go to church at routine. There, there, there's no passion. There, there's no heat. And so there are times when the Holy Spirit says, you know what, I need to, to lead you into the desert where it's not nice and mild, and I'm going to turn up the heat just a little bit, and I'm going to strip away all the distractions from your life so God can get you right where he wants you all to himself. See, if you want your life to be used powerfully by God, if you want your family to be used by God, your business to be used by God, your marriage, you can't have it nice and mild all the time. From time to time, you need to have an encounter with God where the heat gets turned up and you're a little bit uncomfortable, but God is using that to shape and mold and train and prepare you for a battle, to win a spiritual test. Again, everyone say that word, test. It says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days and nights he was tempted by the devil. You can circle that word tempted in your notes and just write the word tested. That's what the original language says. He was tested. The Spirit led Jesus to undergo a test. On one level, physical test. 40 days denying his flesh. But on a much deeper level, it was a spiritual test. To strengthen Jesus for, for hand-to-hand combat with the devil. The, the, the Scripture says here that that stinking snake slithered up to our Savior three times and tried to get Jesus to quit. Jesus, quit the fast. Quit the test. Quit on your God-given assignment. I want you to imagine Jesus. This is day 40. You're on what, day, day seven? <laughs> I'll tell you, when I was on Thursday, it was day four, and I was like in a fog. Anybody else? I, I was like caffeine headaches, sugar with I felt lethargic, kind of mentally cloudy. You know, and you and I complain like, I don't know, I'm going to make it without coffee. Jesus, no food, no water, 40 days. This is your Savior in his humanity. He's dehydrated. He is weak. He's vulnerable. When the tempter begins to taunt him, trying to get him to quit. These 40 days were like Jesus' own personal hell week. You guys heard of hell week? Hell week is the grueling test that young soldiers must go through to become a Navy SEAL. See, the Navy SEALs are the most elite, highly trained fighting force our nation has. These are the commandos who staged the daring raid on, in Pakistan, took, took out bin Laden, right, by the justice. Well, this summer, I read a book on Navy SEAL training. It's called The Heart and the Fist, Making of a Navy SEAL. And it described the brutal testing that every SEAL candidate has to go to to qualify for combat. It basically begins with a five-day ordeal called Hell Week. And the goal of Hell Week is simple. They want to weed out the weak. Every year, 220 soldiers apply to be SEALs, but only 20 pass the test. The goal of Hell Week is to test the recruits in every way. Physically, they punish their bodies, push them to an extreme. 
mentally stretch their minds to the breaking point so that the weak get weeded out and only the strong survive. I have a little footage from Hell Week I want to show you. It's excruciating. Hell Week begins on a beach in Coronado, California. It's right down in San Diego County where they undergo extreme water training. This is the freezing Pacific Ocean where they get pounded and life rafts typically capsized. From that, they carry logs. How far do they march? 20 miles. Calisthenics, endless crunches with rafts on your head designed to batter their bodies. They run more than 200 miles in five days, boots in the mud, while there is tear gas and live munitions being fired over their heads. If you got claustrophobia, don't go there. They put them in water and make them get on the edge of hypothermia so they can learn how to survive. They train long into the night, sleep deprivation. Navy SEAL recruits, they sleep four hours total the week. They're delirious by that point, mentally and emotionally fatigued. And just as their bodies are breaking down five hours of physical uh, training into the morning hours, and then the worst is this, they drown-proof them. You know what that is? They tie their hands and their feet together, and they throw them into the deep end. And that's where they stay for five hours, falling to the bottom, coming up in a gasp of water, falling back to the bottom, holding their breath, and hopefully not dying. That's Hell Week. Only the strong survive. In those five days, out of 200-plus candidates who begin, only 20 pass that test. That is a 90% failure rate. Because the real temptation, let me tell you when it comes, is when the instructors wheel out a little something they call the quit bell. Everybody say quit bell. Quit bell. You see my bell here? It's a brass bell that the instructors bring out during Hell Week. And anytime during the test, if things get too extreme or a recruit says, I'm uncomfortable, I want to quit, all he has to do is walk over and ring the quit bell. The minute he rings that bell, the soldier takes off his helmet, leaves it on the beach. He gets to go back to the barracks, get a hot shower, a warm meal, and get on the bus, and he goes home. And this quit bell is offered during every grueling training. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine sleep-deprived recruits laying in freezing surf hour after hour, bodies battered, minds delirious, on the edge of hypothermia. And what the drill instructors do, they're evil. They actually put a, a pot of piping hot coffee next to the quit bell. And then on the other side, they put a, a box of donuts. And they stand over the soldiers on the surface and say, Son, all you got to do is ring this bell and it's over. Just ring the bell, son. You can quit right now and get a hot shower. Who wants a cup of coffee? Nice meal. You go home to your mama. Quit now, son. Ring the bell. America doesn't need you. Just quit. Ring the bell and you'll be home in bed. That is the breaking point for most soldiers. Eric Greitens, author of The Heart and the Fist, he writes this. He says, out of the corner of my right eye, I saw men running for the bell. First two men ran, and then two more, then another. The instructors had carried the bell out with us to the beach. To quit, you rang the bell three times. I could hear it ringing. I believe we had more men quit at that moment than at any other time in all of our training. Only 10% passed the test and refused to ring the quit bell. Guys, the truth is, I think there comes a point in the life of every Christian's walk with God. When the pressure gets too great, or the pain's too intense, and you think, you know what? I, I, this isn't worth it. I, I think I'm done. In fact, I think I've, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna quit. I quit this marriage. I, I can't fix this. 
Neither can God. We're done. I don't feel anything for her anymore. There's no quiver in my liver. I, I don't think she loves me. I quit. Or I quit my recovery. You know what? My addiction is too strong. I've tried to quit before. And honestly, life is easier when I'm high. I quit. Some of you are here, you thought about not coming today. You're like, I'm going to quit the fast. My head hurts. I have no energy. I quit. <laughs> or maybe you're like, you know what? I quit this church. All I do is serve and serve, and nobody cares for me, and everybody's a hypocrite. See, fasting is spiritual warfare. You have to understand the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And when you walk in the footsteps of your Savior by fasting, at some point, you're going to undergo a test. And the question is, will you be intimidated by the enemy and let your circumstances overwhelm you? Or will you push through with the power of Christ, admitting, I am totally weak and totally relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit to give me victory in this battle? My guess is that some of you are this close to quitting something in your life. You're this close to throwing in the towel on your, your marriage or your ministry or your hope or your health because the heat's turned up and it's getting hard and the doctor's report doesn't look good. But I believe today God is asking you to fix your eyes on Jesus and seek victory in this test. So don't you quit as we get in the second week of this fast. Don't give up. Don't let the devil taunt you or talk you out of it because he's going to tell you, just like he did with Jesus, he's going to say, this fast is stupid. This is unnecessary. Some people need this. You don't need this. He's going to tell you. He's going to slither up. He's going to say, that fast isn't working. Nothing's happened. You don't even feel spiritual. You don't feel close to God. You, you feel like you're dying. You know what? You probably are dying. Don't listen to that preacher. Tim's a false prophet. Don't listen. Come on. I have, I have come to put my foot on the neck of a quitting spirit today. I've come to tell the devil, we're going to get through these 40 days, and by the end, we're going to walk out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. During this fast... I'm telling you, during this fast, some of you are going to get free from quitting because you're going to establish a pattern of victory in this fast that's going to spill over into your life. Places where you've, you know, stop and start, stop and start, and then you quit. But in the name of Jesus, we're going to establish a pattern of victory, of breakthrough in your life. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't quit. Don't tell, quit. Turn to your other neighbor tell him, don't quit. Because if you quit, you might miss your miracle. If you quit... You might miss the blessing. If you quit, you might miss all that heaven has for you. We are going after God's best in 2018, Christ's resurrection power. And we believe Jesus has the power to resurrect a dead marriage. Amen? Amen. Don't you quit. We know Jesus has the power to break chains of addiction. Amen? Amen? Don't quit that. You may be going through a wilderness of chemo right now. Treatments or recovery, and the enemy would love for you to throw in the towel and say, you know what, I'm all alone in this. God's abandoned me. Don't quit. Get your eyes off the situation. Fix them on your Savior. Because Jesus shows you here how to defeat the devil and actually claim victory in three ways. Did you see him as we were reading? Go back to Luke 4. This is so cool. Jesus is going through hell week. So Satan taunts and tempts him three times. Jesus, I know you're hungry. Ring the bell. I know you're tired. Throw in the towel. Quit the quit bell. Why? Because if Jesus quits here, he will not fulfill his God-given mission to sacrifice his life, to save yours. That's what hung in the balance, you. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Anybody here craving bread on this fast, all right? Bagel with cream cheese, maybe a little bit of raisin bread or some jumbo chocolate butter cookies from Nuccio's. That's not fair right there, man. Listen, if, if, you, if you are doing the Daniel fast, mark my words, at some point, like Jesus, you will be tempted in the area of your appetite. 
You probably were this week. I mean, we started this fast on Sunday. On Monday, somebody, right, you know, you walk into work and somebody leaves, you know, a, a you know, gift of Oreos on your desk, right? I had a woman text me. She said, Tim, I can't, she'd given up coffee. Somebody, she goes, out of nowhere, somebody sent me a Starbucks card. Free Starbucks. She goes, never happened. Your appetite is going to be tempted on this fast. On Tuesday, I'll just tell you from my own life, I walked into our house. My wife is away with one of our kids for uh, February break. Nobody's in the house. And on the kitchen table, the center of the kitchen table, is a box of Skittles and Swedish fish. I took a picture of it. It had a pink bow on it. And I look around. I'm like, Chase, is this your? She's not there. It's not hers. I'm like, where did this come from? We, we don't know where it came from. Maybe the neighbor brought it over for the kids or something, but I just conclude, I was like, that was nothing but the devil. I saw this post on Facebook from uh, Debbie. She said, my office has bagels delivered every third Wednesday of the month. Help, get thee behind me, bagel. <laughs> Jesus was hungry, and Jesus had a right to eat. And if he wanted, he, he made manna in the desert. He could have turned those rocks into raisin bread, but he didn't. Satan punched him in the stomach and attacked his appetite, but I want you to see how Jesus defended himself. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on what? Bread alone. Jesus quotes scripture here to Satan. He's more specifically Deuteronomy 8.3, which the entire verse says this, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what I love here? I love how Jesus rebukes the devil with the word of God. You know what rebuke is? Rebuke is when you kind of slap someone upside the head. It's when you, you reprimand them sharply. You reject them. You stiff them. He's like, you're thinking wrong on this one, devil. I'm not listening to your voice. I'm listening to the voice of my father, my daddy in heaven. So let me warn you, you're going to hear voices on this fast. You're going to hear voices in your head saying, this is stupid. This is crazy. You can't do this. The fast isn't working. You gave up caffeine. All you get is headaches. The priest here wants to give up ice cream. You know, he's, he's a false prophet. The devil is going to do everything he can to get you to ring the bell and quit these next 40 days. So when you fast, you better feast on God's word. You better take the time that you'd normally spend eating or watching television or surfing the web and you replace it with Bible reading. You memorize scripture because that's where the power is. Three times Jesus rebukes Satan with the words, it is written, it is written. I've been reading the word of God. The word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's a weapon, and you got to hide it in your heart. Jesus had these fighter verses stored up in his heart for this moment. And he's like a master swordsman fending off his attacker's blows. So let me just tell you what you do. When the enemy starts talking to you, taunting you, tempting you, you come against him, not with your words, with God's words. I want to give you some fighter verses to memorize during this fast. God impressed these on me this week. You can take a picture, write them down. 1 John 4, 4. I love this. You have already won a victory because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, 13. He says, you know, I learned the secret of whether having a full stomach or an empty stomach. He says, here's a secret. I can, let's read it together. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, you, you memorize that. Second Chronicles 2.15, this is the one we read first week. I love this. King Jehoshaphat spoke these words during his corporate fast. Do not be afraid or discouraged, intimidated, for the battle is not yours, but whose? God. 
gods. I want to give you these verses now so you will be ready when the tempter comes. See, blessings don't always break through during the fast. When you're fasting, technically, you're in the battle. So don't be surprised if crisis comes in the next 40 days. I, I had something unexpected happen this week. See, fasting isn't just physical, it's mental, it's spiritual, it's emotional. And the enemy will hit you with some crisis at home or conflict at work, and, and he'll say, come on, this, this is too much, this is crazy now. You've got you to go on that trip. You'll never, you're going to think you're a freak if you don't eat that, that meal when you visit with them. Ring that bell, ring that, quit the fast, give up. But you've got to have a strong, determined mind. You got to say, no, that's why I'm fasting, devil, because this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. See, there's a moment when you got to stop talking to God about the size of your battles and start speaking to your battles about the size of your God. You proclaim his power. You stand on his word. You declare his promises because God's word is a weapon. Remember, the devil's a punk. He wants to intimidate you. Bible says he's a liar. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Notice the word like, meaning he's an imposter. He's a fraud. He ain't no lion. Jesus is the lion of Judah. And when he roars, everything gets shaken. All authority in heaven and earth are his, and you are his precious child. You are brought with his blood. You are fully forgiven. You are set free to live in the love of the Father. So walk in his authority. You tell the enemy, you don't intimidate me. You, you wave a, a sword of scripture in his face like Jesus. Get up in his grill and say, hey, if God is for me, who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This battle isn't mine. It's God's. It's my daddy's. Let me tell you something. You're going to get in my marriage? I don't think so. The one who's in me is greater than the one who's in the world. Remember, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he hit back with the word of God like a master swordsman. Blow after blow, chapter and verse. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight, guys. You drop a Bible bomb. You tell your enemy, go back to hell where you came from. Am I preaching now to you? Am I preaching? Go to hell, devil. Don't you mess with my family. You can't have my kids. I'm not letting you in my house. I'm not giving you an inch. Jesus has full authority in my life and in our home. See, when you fast and pray, you pick a fight with the enemy. Because fasting and prayer are like the, the twin barrels of a spiritual shotgun that say, step off, devil. Jesus pushes back the enemy, so Satan tries again a second time. Look, it says the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Look, there's New York, Paris, San Francisco. And he said to him, if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written. I've been reading the Bible. My daddy says, worship the Lord your God and you serve him only. To me, it's no accident that temptation number two is a battle over worship. Because during a fast, you are dethroning every appetite in your life that competes for supremacy with your love for God. You're, you're, you're dethroning uh, food, you're dethroning entertainment, you're dethroning social media, you're dethroning work, you're de dethroning power, you're dethroning pornography, lust of the flesh, the eyes of pride of life. In a fast, your flesh is dying, but watch this, your spirit is coming alive to worship the Lord and serve him only. So you make sure you spend extra time in worship during this fast because worship is a powerful weapon. See, I'm not just telling you to read your Bible. I want you to listen to worship music. I want you to put a new playlist on your phone. Fill it up with Bethel music, Jesus culture, elevation, the songs that we play here on Sunday. I want you to take them during the week. Don't just replace your food. Replace your music. Get a new playlist. Get your worship on your way to work. At lunchtime, listen to it as you take a walk instead of the radio and all that garbage. If you don't have any good worship music, by the way, just ask the worship leader at your campus. 
They are spirit-filled leaders who would love to hook you up with some fresh tunes. And on that note, can I just, can I just a little time out, make a little request just from my heart as pastor? Starting next Sunday, could you, could you come early to worship? <laughs> what I mean is like, you know, no judgment, but maybe, maybe during the fast you don't have to come 12 minutes late. Because worship isn't the warm-up act, right? Like for the, for the sermon. Worship is essential during the fast. It, when we worship, you're asking, you're inviting God Almighty to manifest His presence here. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that strengthens your inner man. I, I think we're going to see some of those powerful worship in this church has ever seen in the next few weeks. Amen? I'm telling you, it happens when God's people pray and fast and worship in the Spirit. Heaven opens. The atmosphere changes. You wait and see. You're going to walk out of here on Sundays spiritually stronger than when you walked in. Because fasting and worship releases willpower. Everyone say the word. Willpower. When you fast, it builds up your inner man. And you start getting willpower. Meaning you actually start desiring God's will over your will. And when you get willpower, it will spill over into other areas of your life. Have you ever noticed that? You get disciplined in one area, you start going to the gym or something, then you start eating right over here. The discipline spills over in other areas. And let me tell you something. Let me ask you this question right now. Where do you need willpower most in your life? What, what appetites for you, you know, are most out of control? Maybe it is your eating. Maybe it is pornography. Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's, maybe it's drinking. Maybe you're sexually compulsive. I don't know what it is. Let me see what I got in my cart. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, this is, this is a good one. It's going to make somebody nervous. Oh, all the smokers here. Any smokers? All right. I just want to let you know, okay? If you smoke and you're trying to quit, if you vape, I don't care what it is, you're going to do it. We're going to believe with you. For the next 40 days, your life is a smoke-free zone because we're going to quit the stuff that's killing us. I hope you had a good long toke last week because the next 40 days, it's smoke-free for Jesus. Technically, you're not a smoker, by the way. The cigarette smokes. You're the sucker. All right? I'm serious. Guys, guys, your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. You got to cleanse it. You got to get rid of the cigarettes. You got to get rid of the marijuana. You got to get rid of the pills. Get rid of the alcohol. In the name of Jesus, get rid of it. You may not like, whoa, the preachers yelled at me. You may like, I'm in your business today. This is the year you will be free in Jesus' name. Free. Say freedom. Freedom, free of pornography, free of food addiction. It all has to bow in the name of Jesus. Somebody give God a praise. Give him a praise. You feel the spirit? Worship the Lord. You didn't know we were going to have church today. This is a hunger strike against hell, friends. And Jesus has won your freedom. Now walk in it. Temptation number three. Last one. I'm out of time. I'll close with this. Scripture says the devil took Jesus the top of the church and said throw yourself off the building go ahead end it here like a spectacular suicide just end it maybe the angels will save you and this is so sneaky because at this moment satan knew that jesus's purpose his mission to earth was to die on a cross for me for you and so he says why don't you skip the cross and do it right now Take a shortcut. You don't, you don't have to carry that cross and go through all that pain. Throw yourself down. The angels will catch you. And Jesus answered, it said, do not put the Lord your God 
to the test. Translation, devil, I'm not taking a shortcut. I'm not going to avoid the pain. I'm not going to violate God's purpose and calling and plan for my life. I will not ring that bell. Because if he did, Jesus would have missed his purpose, and we would have missed out on salvation. Understand, guys, this is how you ruin a fast. You take a shortcut. You skip the pain. You say, I don't have to go through all that. That's what the enemy wanted Jesus to do. Just skip the process. That's how a lot of Christians live. We just cave to the flesh, take the easy way out. But Jesus says, I ain't taking the bait. I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm going to carry my cross, and I'm going to command my followers to follow me and do the same. Some of you, I believe in this fast, God is going to literally release, you're going to receive God's purpose for your life, your divine assignment. But if you ring this bell, you skip the process, you're going to miss it. That's how you miss and ruin a fast. You skip the process, or watch this, you test God. You you, you get in that manipulative mind, like, well, if I do this, then God's got to do that. No, you got it backwards. Fasting is a test for you, not for your God. Don't put your Lord God to the test. We're not trying to manipulate God or somehow get him to bless us. You are saved by the blood of Jesus. We live under grace. It's a free gift. Think about that. Do a back swim. Nothing you do or don't do will get God to love you any more or less than he already does right now. So understand, you're not twisting God's arm or testing him. What you're doing in the fast is positioning yourself and emptying yourself to receive his power and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At the end of 40 days, you're going to walk out of the wilderness like Jesus. What's verse 14 say? I can't wait to see it. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power. Say it together. In the power of the Spirit. After he passed his wilderness training, (laughs) Jesus returned to town in the power of the Holy Ghost. That, my friends, is what God is preparing you for. At the end of 40 days, you you have the Holy Spirit in you, understand. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But the problem with us, we leak. At least I do. (laughs) I can be filled with God's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and someone cuts me off. I'm like, that's all I got, you know? You know what the reality is after 40 days? You know what's going to happen? Some of you, your vision is so small. So many of us, we're fixated on the food. We're like, I can't wait to the end of 40 days so, so I can eat pizza again. Oh, I can't wait. Or I can have a Diet Coke. Or I'm going to get my Instagram back. That's your vision? God says at the end of this fast, I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit into your life, overflowing, pressed out, and pouring over, and he's going to do great and mighty things in the earth. Not your will, but mine be done. Amen? You got no idea what God's preparing for you at the end of this fast. So don't you quit. You keep going. Press on and persevere. If you quit, jump back in. If you haven't started, start tonight. We're going after God's best as a church. So press in. Press on like your Savior. Bible says Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Look at Jesus. You want, you want inspiration? Look at your Savior on the cross. Him dying literally to his flesh. And at any moment on the cross, Jesus could have rang that bell. When they put the nails in his hands, he could have quit. When he put a crown of thorns on his head, he could have quit. When they put a sword into his side, he could have quit. He could have called down 10,000 angels, but Jesus wouldn't quit, and neither will you. You know why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, amen? So walk in victory. 
Your enemy's been defeated by the blood of Jesus. You are fully forgiven. You are a dearly beloved child, a son or daughter of the Most High God. He has set you free. So walk in authority. Believe him for victory. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, give him some praise. <laughs> Lift your hands up. We're going to pray, church. Father God, we worship you right now in spirit and truth. Praise you for the Holy Spirit, God. I thank you for what you're doing right now. Pour out your spirit, Lord. More of you, less of us. More of us, Lord God. Our flesh dying, I pray, by the minute, God, right now, I pray. Lord, I pray that you, in the Jesus' name, you will break strongholds, that there will be people bound by addictions, Father, that you will explode through, and they'll have no explanation except it was during that fast. The Holy Spirit came on me, and my life changed because Jesus is alive, and he's in me, and I'm a new creation in Christ. Father God, I pray that you will restore marriages, just like you reached out and healed the cripples, Lord. Let us walk again in fellowship and love in our families. God, I pray your protection over this entire church, God. We're under attack all the time, but we want to see you do things that we can't get credit for. We want to see you move powerfully. We want to see this state be a bastion of revival break out here, God. Jesus' name, we give you all the glory. Everybody said together, amen, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Give the Lord a praise.